Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Nick Rudolph, Sam Anderson, Ren Clayton. Guys, how are we? How, how's it going, Sam? Uh, things are going really well, Ren. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Nick? Yeah, doing well over here. Awesome. Um, NFL playoffs, what are you guys thinking? What well, we- should we off the top just uh, go over our since we last spoke on here the the standings of our picks? Yeah, who's NFL winning? Teams. I'd actually prefer if we just went straight to the dock, guys. So, Ryan, just <laughs> the dock really quick, and we'll move on. Very interesting. <laughs> um, I actually don't know the score. I think well, obviously, I know the order. It's Nick's has a big lead, then me. I think I'm just one ahead of Sam. Do you know what the score is, Nick? It's kind of your responsibility since you're the front runner. Oh, yeah. I'm winning uh, a billion to zero. <laughs> Isn't it like seven to four to three? Sounds right. Seven so or nine. Good, yeah. as a reminder, seven or nine. It might <laughs> be. Nine. You got to nine. Uh, so we got one, one point for each first round win, two points for each second round win. And, and so Nick has two teams left alive. And I have one, Sam has one. Sam has the Chiefs, I have the Eagles, Nick has the Niners and the Bengals. And uh, that's where we stand. I, I don't. I, I was going to look back on, on our game, which I, I, was, I have a theory that it might be flawed, that all you need to do is like win, have a team that wins the Super Bowl or something. Because yeah. it seems kind of like what it's going to end up being. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't done the math on it. I'm not smart enough probably to figure that out, but I have a theory that that's... <laughs> We just picked it, whoever we yeah, got I, yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Whoever picks the two Super Bowl teams um, will be one and two, and then it's just whoever wins the Super Bowl. But Yeah, which is yeah. fine. I mean, you know, but yeah. it's just not as um, advanced and as intriguing as it looked when we were, like, picking four teams. Yeah, weekend. but that's kind of how, like, March Madness tournaments always are, too, like, when you think about it. Um I feel like if you and of course you're picking from 68 teams instead of um instead of 16 or how much do they allow 14 teams um yeah yeah true um though not quite as strictly because just because of the massive field and like for me I'm usually out of it even if I like I feel like I usually end up with like two final four teams but I get absolutely obliterated and so it doesn't matter because I get blown up by so much but yeah. anyways, um, we, you know, we do these in, in 40 minute segments and we're already on the second one. So we're going to get right into the summary of the documentary, which is titled Of Miracles and Men of Miracles, which is uh, an ode to everyone's favorite sports movie, Miracle, Miracle on Ice. It is about the 1980 uh, hockey Olympic hockey ma- game match, whatever, but it's from the perspective of the Soviet Union team. Uh, so it's kind of flipping in the, the classic story, the, you know, the amateurs of the U S that came and upset the, the USSR team. And it's just kind of focusing on that. That's the end to the story. And the whole story is a holistic look at the rise of, of hockey in Russia and the Soviet Union, the popularity, the skill level, how the national team became so great, how they built all this talent that's still around today, and uh, and then how eventually the, the talent got spread around the world. Um, this is directed by Jonathan Hawk, 
And that might ring a bell because he's already done two episodes or two uh, document 30 for 30s. He actually has five total. Um, he had, we're in, I don't know, I think we're in season two technically still of 30 for 30s. And yep. he has two in season three, but he also had two, had one in season one and one in season two before this one. He also, uh, of those two that we've watched, he has our number three highest rated documentary that he directed and our number 20th. And we've done what now 64, I think. So he, he has a couple that we like and, um, I didn't we'll start talking, yeah, we'll start talking about how much we like this one. Um, number three was, if you're wondering, survive in advance. That was, uh, one of our, our third favorite. Um, that was a good one. And then number 20 was the best that never was, which is the Marcus Dupree, Oklahoma football player. Uh, that was when we did like, um, best what if athletes, I think, for Mount Rushmore, things like that. Anyway, this documentary came out on February 8th of 2015, eight years ago, just about. Um, and let's get Nick's, Nick's uh, initial thoughts. What did you, what did you think about? Had you seen this and what was your thoughts? Um, I think I've seen a little bit of it. Um, I don't remember seeing the whole thing though. Um, but it definitely rang a bell, uh, in the, uh, initial or in the beginning when the, um, director was like, um, introducing it and, and talking about the Soviet perspective of things. Um, so, um, as soon as he mentioned that I was like Im immediately intrigued because I thought that was a, you know, an intriguing idea, something that we haven't obviously seen from that perspective before, um, going through, I, I mean, I really liked it. Um, it, it's always challenging to watch a, a film, uh, or a documentary that has so much, um, like subtitles and like the, you know, talk in, in Russian and, and not that, I mean, it was awesome to get the, like the perspectives of the athletes and everyone, um, but just a little, uh, different task, uh, uh, for, for the viewer for that. Um, but I thought it was interesting how they got some like sound bites and clips from, like different scrimmages that they talked through um, or that they had. Um, I liked the chronology of the um, documentary where they kind of went through, um, you know, the years before this group that was, you know, leading up to the 1980 Olympics um, and then following after too. So I, I felt like it was uh, well put together um, is how I, I took it, um, like for my own understanding and, and viewership contents. Yeah, I guess that's my initial thoughts. What about you, Sam? I really liked it a lot. I, to be honest, I saw it was an hour and 43 minutes and, and about hockey, which isn't my favorite sport. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this right now. And then it was, it was one of the, like the quickest documentaries that I've experienced. Like I would look and I'd be like, wow, I'm an hour into this already. Oh, I'm like, I have only 20 minutes left even though it was longer than most of them that we watched. And I think that's pretty telling of like how good of a documentary it was. Um, it told just a lot. I mean, obviously it's one of the greatest stories in sports history, right? We all grew up hearing about the miracle and watching the movie miracle and, um, and all of that, but like to get the background of just not focusing on the U S but like, how was the Soviet union such a powerhouse? I think that was the most interesting part to me um how did they become what they are and like they did such a great job in this documentary of explaining how they became such a powerhouse starting 
they didn't even know that how like traditional Canadian hockey was played. They played a different sport altogether. And then it was just a different time. So they didn't really have film to study the Canadians and they didn't even want to study the Canadians because they wanted to create their own version of the game. And then talking about how intense their training was and, and all of that. And it led to just this unbelievable culture and team. And that's why they were so dominant. And then um, also learning about the coaches and what went into that and kind of their downfall as well. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. And it went, uh super fast hannah who isn't a sports fan at all and normally doesn't watch these with me like sat down and was watching a lot of it and was like pretty fascinated as well which is uh which was pretty cool um so yeah i really have a lot of great things to say about it uh, it was a lot of reading obviously because we don't know russian but uh i didn't feel like that uh impacted how i felt about it at all what do you think ren yeah i really liked it as well um, I, it's interesting you guys both bring up the, the subtitles because I, yeah, foreign films for me are hard because you, you have to be reading and, and I'm not one of those people that, that has subtitles on when they watch just Netflix, like a lot of people nowadays do just because I don't like it. Um, but I mean, it was, it wasn't a big, you know, hindrance and it worked and, um, it doesn't really take away too much, I, I guess it, it does a little, I suppose, but no, I, I liked it overall. I did like how they kind of holistically wrapped it up. I agree with both of you. It went, it went pretty fast for me. And and I was trying to think about why that was because they did covers like decades and decades and they were, were they were introducing new characters because it covered so, such a long span of time. And I, I think part of it is because we kind of knew the climax of it coming, you know, we, we knew the, the game, the miracle game was coming. Um, but then we kept getting all these little other storylines and stuff. And so it kept our interest that way. Um, my biggest thing that I, I couldn't stop thinking about throughout every single minute of it, um, because I'm so like, I don't know, I, I just have kind of a weird um, perspective is that I just didn't know how they got all this video, all these interviews, like the old coach that was the, like the, the mastermind of the rise of hockey there. And he got, fired because you know the government wanted to hit him to top, uh, toss a game and he was out in a cottage living living his years out and they have like this per this amazing video of him there like i get like some of the this this must be from companies and, and news stations in russia getting all this great video inside stuff everywhere and they cobbled it together but how did how, how it's russia's so hard to get anything from like and I just don't understand how they got this documentary because it's it for the most part and and not completely but like it's not like a, it doesn't paint a rosy picture of Russia I'm sure it could have done a lot worse and shown a lot of the more messed up stuff that happens and focus on that for longer periods of time but that you know it didn't which is fine but it it states a lot of the messed up stuff that the government does and continues to do um and so, yeah, I was just shocked and thrilled to see all this video and see all these interviews and this access that they accessed to make this documentary. So, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Um, I thought the first scene, just to kind of dive in, it was a through line. So they had one of the, the former players on the 1980 team, and he was kind of a through line throughout it. He, him and his daughter went back to Lake Placid. And they gathered video of the road trip and him looking back in the rink and going back and returning. 
Um, and so the first scene was him just at, at Central Park before they got go on the road trip to upstate New York. And I thought, I mean, like I talk about all the time, I, I love the the old like New York City movies. I love the New York City rom com. I love when Harry met Sally. So like anything like that, like when you set the scene like that, that gets me. And I, I turn it on the very first thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna like this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like all his stuff. All his stuff was like really good and useful in tying the whole thing together that was a lot of it was really um could have been dry and could have been you know you could have lost people's attention spans especially with them being in russian language yeah i really enjoyed when they went back to the arena mm -hmm. um that was for further on closer to the end and they're like sitting in the actual locker rooms and things like that and they walk in and his daughter just wanted to sit down and she ended up sitting like in his locker I thought yeah. that that was a, a pretty cool moment. And he was like, why do you sit there? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know. Yeah, and it was um, kind of to go off of that, um, one of the most interesting parts was they were, and I'm sure we'll get into this at some point. Uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. Jump but, in now, yeah. <laughs> um, when he, he's talking about the game itself, like the 1980 game in the, the Olympic gold medal game that we all know, uh, the do you believe in miracles game um there was it tied 2-2 after the first period I forget yes yeah yeah they and, tied it at the very butt at the buzzer yeah yeah and they ended up benching like their amazing goalie because they just weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing and um he he just talked about that scene and how his locker was right next to the two goalies and how the coach just came in and was like um we're we're switching goalies we we got to win this game basically and how like much of a shock it was at the time and um i just thought that the documentary did a really great job of showing like how much of an impact that decision had on the game itself and i had no idea um i don't know, remember if that's in the movie or anything but um it's kind of crazy and he had a great thing a great little bite in that scene there too he was like maybe it would have turned out different and yeah they got so, so much great stuff just on that yeah. one specific thing and with that too I, I feel like with the goalie like oh what did you say like when that happened or when the coach said that and he said nothing you know and it just showed like the obedience that they were preached since you know how long as we saw earlier in the documentary and um, just like another unique you know example of the Russian culture the program that they created yeah and they talked about that a lot we haven't really touched on that much how basically if you were on the hockey team you're expected to like be in almost like what would you call it like a boarding school or like a yeah. way to like a camp and you played hockey constantly and you weren't allowed to like hang out with family and friends and um, 11 out of 12 months of the year they said yeah and so like what a time commitment that is and um and, and they talk later about how some of the players are feeling burnt out and it's like, no wonder why. I mean, obviously you're a powerhouse because you're devoted to your sport and that's all you're focusing on. But at the same time, it can't be good for your mental health and uh, other aspects of your life. Right. Well, yeah. that that's not like that uncommon in Russia. That's like still, I want, I don't know exactly but that's still going on in some ways like you watch the olympics i've watched them my whole life especially the winter olympics like these athletes 
I, I remember just like gymnasts and like figure skaters. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. They're at, they are identified talent at a very young age. So they go put them in their program and that's their entire life. We saw it last winter Olympics when that 15 year old, I think 14 year old, like oh, yeah. best figure skater. In the, in, I think we talked about on the podcast, like best figure skater in the world. And she was doping and, she was, you know, torn up about it and ended up, you know, falling because she was under investigation and blah, 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 blah. And, it, and it, don't even get me started. Well, I was going to bring up all the doping things with the Russian Olympic athletes and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's it, this documentary just emphasizes the unhealthy relationship that sports and the Russian government have yeah. with each other and the way that the Russian government uses athletes and sports and and uses the power of sports of like, you know, rallying their people and whatever it is and, and pushing propaganda, and whatever, whatever. I mean, Putin's probably listening to us right now. He listens every week. He's probably going to take, take this down, but, um, but like, it's just crazy that, you know, this stuff was happening back then and it's happening now. And it's, it's messed up. Like Kirill Kaprizov couldn't get over back to the wild this off season, like because of all this mess, you know, so it's it's not a back then problem only. It's still happening, and and that was one of my takeaways throughout this whole documentary. Was watching it, fascinated by it, and fascinated that we got to hear these stories from these athletes yeah. because that's hard to get. Yeah, yeah I mean, and then they prevented their own athletes from getting to the you know NHL. Uh, like so they didn't even that. know that they were drafted, right? Like that was the report by one guy. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't know they were drafted because they're so insulated. How would they, I guess? I don't know. I mean, the whole media is government run. Yeah, back then. And, yeah, I feel like, you know, that was very similar to Kaprizov, too. I mean, he knew that he was um, drafted, but just getting him over here was an act of Congress as well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, Like, yeah, the... I mean, even the scene that, like, I thought was going to lead to him defecting a couple different times didn't happen like he didn't end up defecting and he ultimately got permission finally um but i mean his life is probably at risk like um and he had to go to the literally the number two in the country the minister of defense guy and like just basically put his on the table and just like <laughs> like just bet that he's not going to get hunted down or get you know whatever he already got cut from the team like the best player in russia that we're talking about like and and then ultimately he goes and they finally let him go after some pressure was put on and he goes to the NHL and whatever. But, and then it starts this cascade of NHLers coming from Russia. And now we have, you know, some of the best ever played the game of you know, now we have Kirill here and, and there's, I mean, there's dozens and dozens of them. I just um, made the connection. I don't know if you guys did, uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of a documentary we watched like three episodes ago, the yeah. brother in exile. The Hernandez bros uh, fleeing Cuba and uh, it's kind of a similar story, you know, so many great Cuban baseball players. I'm, there's so many great Russian hockey players too. And um, they just ha- weren't given the opportunity unless they kind of made it happen themselves. So just kind of made that connection. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, communist countries using the national team, the, the country's favorite sport to do their thing and, and then you know, keeping these people captive essentially. Uh, let's talk about the Blake Placid uh, Olympic Village. As a as an Olympic expert, I mean not expert, like a, just someone that's followed it forever. 
I was aghast that this Olympic <laughs> village where they keep the world's best athletes, this wasn't just the Russians, this was everybody probably in a, literally a prison. Like what is happening at the Lake Placid Olympics? We thought, what was it? Uh, the last Olympics, it, the last winter games in Beijing, there was some, there was issues with the infrastructure and we thought some of the conditions there were bad and so, but and, they were literally uh, back in Brazil too was bad yeah. and uh, was, exactly. And, but Lake Placid had I don't know if they built them for that, but literally the plan at the time and currently it is it's a penitentiary, and so that's where they were staying. It's like what well, there it was a no. But I mean they didn't have to have it in Lake Placid like. But we don't need to get into the Olympic part. committees. Yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy part is in the documentary they talked about isn't uh Lake Placid twenty five hundred people, the population? Yeah. I'm pretty I don't sure they said that like before the Olympics it was twenty five hundred. Like Rudy, isn't that like what is Wasika? Like yeah. Wasika is like nine thousand. <laughs> yeah, so imagine that, like Wasika hosting an Olympic Games, except it's bigger than lake placid was yeah it's insane it's such a tiny little place that is hosting this event that is world renowned and everybody watches it and everybody knows about it people come from all over the world for it and it's literally this tiny 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 little town just unbelievable i i can't imagine i can't imagine how and and probably i mean it wasn't that long ago it was you know what 40 years ago yeah i don't know that's that's wild yeah Oh, maybe the favorite moment that we were all waiting for subconsciously was when they, the, the documentarian asked the athletes, he's like, so did you watch this movie, Miracle? And they're all like, what the heck? No. <laughs> they're like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, my favorite was when the guy was like, no, I'll let the Americans watch that, that they won or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I'll watch one where we win. <laughs> yeah. That was so good because that's what we're all. I mean, the, the movie is called "Of Miracles and Men." It's a play off of the two thousand what two thousand four Kurt Russell movie. Um, yeah, so good. What else? Al Michaels. Yeah, yeah blast from the past. How much I did mean, you love that? Come on, give it I, to I us. I was dying laughing. He looks so different. It looks like skinny, and his hair is like he does. poofing out. And and obviously, yeah. I knew he was the guy. We all know Al Michaels was deeply the miracles. But it was crazy to see him, see the video of him, because we just hear his voice on the call, you know. Ren, as a sports broadcaster guy yourself, is um, do we do you believe in miracles? The greatest sports call in the history of sports. Is it up? It's got to be up there, yeah. right? I don't know if it's the greatest, but yeah, it's it, to me, it's the one I think of. I I don't know if I think of a. Very many. Maybe I'm just, I mean, I might have a bad memory as far as logging those iconic calls. The only one that I can even think of right now off the top of my head is the Twins. Um, and we'll see you tomorrow night with the walk-off Kirby Puckett, I think, home run in the World Series. But, like, I, I don't I don't know, like, of any other call. I mean, this is probably the most iconic as far as across all sports. Yeah, you'd have to think. Um, Can you guys think of any other great calls of buzzer beater? What, what was the call for for the shot? The Jordan uh, shot. Oh, what was the call for that 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 pass to Jerry Rice? Remember in the back of the end zone? 
I mean, you, we wouldn't watch it live, obviously, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. So yeah, to me, it's what I remember, I guess. Oh, um, the band is on the field. Good. That's a really yeah. good one. Um, else? What about the one where the ball went between? Was it Buckner's legs? No. Who whose legs? The Mets. Remember when the ball goes between the Mets, like first baseman's. Oh, Red Sox, yeah. Yeah. Was it Buckner? Buckner, yeah. That was a really, I I don't remember exactly what was said, but I think that was a pretty big one. Yeah. But yeah, see, you don't remember exactly what was said, but we remember Do You Believe in Miracles? Yeah, I I just Googled it quick, and they had that um, as the first one. The Band is on the Field was another one. I don't really recognize a lot of these other ones, though. Secretariat, um, he's moving like a tremendous machine. I feel like I've heard that one before. Okay. Yeah, I mean, these are so cool. Like, you'd think we'd know more of them just because, but they're so wrapped up in the, in the play or whatever that maybe we don't remember them separate from the play. What about uh, Joe Buck calling Randy Moss's moon? Yeah, no, that is a disgusting act right there. <laughs> it's got to be up there. Oh my god, that's funny. No, that is disgusting. Oh my goodness. You know the one that popped in my head, which is not a play. It's it just it popped in my head, but it's not good. Is Brent Musburger <laughs> when he's freaking oh. out over what AJ McCarron? That is one friend. beautiful woman. <laughs> Catherine man, something. Man. Yeah. It was just like for a long period of time, just hitting at her. He's just like freaking out. Well, that's probably why Twitter got as big as it did, because that was like one of the first times where it was like, oh my God, everyone's live tweeting it. <laughs> oh, oh, Jim Nance at the when Tiger won again, finally, the return to glory, which oh, is that was great, which is really good, but it's not the oh. Sorry, it's not the best because, um, you know, like that was that to me that was a prepped line and it wasn't super spontaneous. It was amazing, but it wasn't like a great, you know, like an all timer. But um, uh, what's the the Dan Hicks line when 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 Tiger drains the putt in two thousand eight? Um, oh my goodness, or oh, I don't even I can't remember. Well, I'm thinking of a mixture of two. I'm thinking of better than most. Um, which is just a different Tiger Woods, but oh, expect anything different. Expect uh-huh. anything different. To me, that's like that's as good as it gets. Um, For sure. That's so good. Yeah. Look. Oh gosh. Interesting. A lot of good vibes now. Just yeah. That. It's <laughs> surprising how as like much of these amazing games and stuff as we've watched how little we remember even though there's obviously been some just incredible calls but like few stick out as do you believe in miracles or the band is on the field or you know just like the one phrase that you can say and it takes you back or like everybody knows what you're talking about yeah it's crazy how well now since we're talking about michaels like twitter what a couple weeks ago was kind of roasting him for his call of uh of one of the games the playoff games wildcard weekend wasn't it I think yeah. it was the big Chargers. Oh, the comeback. Yeah, the Chargers had like the... Yeah, with Tony Dungy. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, oh, it was underwhelming or whatever. 
And remember, they were comparing it to Mike Tirico on the 99-year fumble recovery to the Bengals game the next week. Um, and that, and I watched that. Someone posted, like, Mike Tirico on the call, amazing call. I clicked it. I watched it, like, three or four times because it was a perfect call. You, know, yeah. you have to fill 99 yards of running time, and this weird thing just happened, and he crushed every single line. It was so good. So, I mean, yeah, a great call does add a lot. In sometimes, and sometimes you just let it run, breathe, you know. How hard is it to do something like that, Ren? I know you've called a lot of games, like to fill time or, you know, when a big moment happens, you know, like Joe Buck always like lets the moment happen or like you can hear the crowd and stuff. Does he? Is he the one who does that? I don't know. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like that's, there's like a, like a discipline to it where like you have to break down when you're going to talk, when you're not, when you're going to feed to your other guy. And I, I mean, I, I've done it only at a very low level and I've often been solo, so it's different. But, um, you know, it, especially these big games, like it's a, it's a dance, it's a science, it's all of it because you have so much information, you have to say enough and you can't say too much and because it's TV, you know, we're only talking about it, it, radio is completely different. And yeah, yeah, especially a big play, like – I remember listening one time, uh, some interview Joe Buck was saying, like, sometimes he'll he'll write out the, the call because, you know, like sometimes, you know, your call is going to be iconic forever when someone, you know, sets a record, when this guy hit, when Barry Bonds hits the, the record-breaking home run, whatever, when someone's, and then, you know, that's going to be immortalized, whatever you say. So you, so he was saying, yeah, sometimes I'll maybe write it out. Maybe I'll just think it in my head. And I remember Jim Nance one time says that, he never writes it out, but sometimes he'll like think of a thought and then he'll punch that if it fits. And so it's like a weird, it's a weird thing you have to do, um, especially when you're in an iconic moment that would be amazing to be part of. But like that's a ton of pressure too, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You don't want to sound like a dummy as you watch Barry Bonds hit his 72nd homer or something. Yeah. Like, wow, look at that guy. What a hit. Yeah, or just stutter or, you know, whatever. And I, I think I think I probably listened to Al Michaels talk about the call, that Do You Believe in Miracles? And I, I think it was something along the lines of what I said with Jim Nance. Maybe that was even Michaels and not Nance that said that, what I just said. But I think he said something along the lines of, yeah, he didn't like, he didn't like brainstorm the night before, but he thought about it like that day. Of, or maybe he thought about it in that period in that game or something when it looked like it might happen. Um, but yeah, that was so cool. Um, what a iconic moment. I wonder how old he was then. 1980. I mean, he's still doing it 43 years later. Another thing that I really wanted to talk about that, you know, this is a classic me thing to say is they, they're interviewing this reporter, Russian reporter through the whole thing. And at the end, after the game, uh, you know, the game that they lost, Miracle Game, they asked him, like, oh, so what did you write, you know, about it in your article the next day? And he's like, well, I said that they lost, you know, not, not, not much, you know. And then he makes this weird, weird, um, kind of interesting, like, analogy. He's like, I forget what it was. It was about Sophia Loren. And he's he's like, oh, yeah, some little boy, like, went up to Sophia Loren and kissed her uh, and then ran away. He would tell all his friends, but she would not even remember it. And he was like saying that they were like a that Russians were like a supermodel, and that the Americans beating them was like a little kid, you know, getting his 15 minutes of fame with her. And like, okay, it's funny, but like 
he, it's so embarrassing for me that this so-called reporter journalist was like, oh yeah, it's just like any other game. You know, we happened to lose it. And then they talked about the, the, the players, the Russian players afterwards, like, yeah, it was probably good that like most of the media didn't really talk about it too much back home, didn't write much about it because it didn't put much pressure on us that it probably should have. Yeah, no kidding. You just lost the biggest game in all, all, you know, in that four-year span. Like, that's what your whole country is trying to do, and you lost it. By the way, sorry, it's not. it wasn't the gold medal game. That was the medal round, which is often forgotten. But you lost this massive loss, massive upset, worldwide upset. And the state-run media or whoever these propaganda reporters are just like, yeah, we'll just downplay it. We won't. We won't pretend that we're, we won't act like it's a big deal, which it obviously was. It's just an embarrassment. He's an embarrassment at the reporter. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you doing? Well, he can't. He can't write. He can't write like a. Sure you can. I, I don't think you get in trouble for literally going. Yeah, they played badly. Maybe you can. Maybe that's the problem. I don't the whole know. nation's pride is built off of like their play, though, and like they said, they yeah. if they didn't win the gold, then the whole Olympics was a failure. Yeah, I, I know, but it was a failure. The whole Olympics was a failure. Then, like that's the big that's you as a reporter, you should be like, oh, this is a massive story to write. Yeah, maybe like you know, it, it's not how you want it to go, but like that's still a massive story to write. Um, right, person on top that were like, you're not gonna. Re- really emphasize how bad of a loss this was or yeah, else maybe true yeah there's so much stuff like that uh, we forgot to even talk about the guy that they got killed like the captain of the team that they yeah. got murdered like maybe <laughs> like that was pretty messed up i went around that part because i'm like wait what happened here and I, and I watched it again and it still wasn't clear so the the captain of the team was he was of the old era. He was the best player, so they didn't age him out of the national team. This new coach who was, like, really, you know, not liked, um, you know, ran, ran things a different way than the, the other guy. Um, the, so the old player was left off the team that was going into the Canada Cup in I don't even know when, 70s. Wait, after was this after the games? Yeah, yeah, after. So it was mid-80s. Yeah. Um, and he, the, he was a scratch. Like, they didn't say why he was held up the team. And then, what, while they were in Canada, he got in a car accident and was killed. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds of that? Like, some truck hit him, they said, or he hit a truck. And then, like, so what's going on here? They interviewed his kid, and he's like, yeah, I. it's not for me to say what actually happened between that head coach and and my dad, Okay. There's, there's people that are making people not talk is what it's very apparent. It's, yeah, it's so much. And which up. leads us to our Mount Rushmore of conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> they said, you are not going to this, and then he's dead like three days later. And when, yeah, that, when he was the best player on the team, and they said, yeah, you're a, scratch, a healthy scratch. Yeah, that was pretty messed up. Because, then, he, because he had a vendetta. The coach had a vendetta against him. And then they wouldn't let the team go back from Canada for his funeral and everything. And yeah. that kind of led to the downfall of that coach. And that coach was the worst, man. Well, he I was didn't a want to stop watch all the time, right? In the yep. numbers. The accountant guy. I mean, yeah. it was also this great contrast from the 
the guy that started the program in what the fifties. And he was like, it, if you don't have love, you have nothing. And then it was this guy who was like running them like the military and like, you know, like robots. And, yeah. What did he say? Treat everybody like your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then this guy that everybody hated and he was good. I mean, got results because, you know, he kept people like they weren't free to do anything. Like literally the guy that we talked about earlier that went to the NHL, the military and the government finally decided to let him go. But this coach was like, yeah, actually they said you can, but now I'm going to say, tell them that I don't want you to. So then they didn't, I don't they changed their story. Yeah. It's great. This guy's awesome. So anything else that we didn't touch on? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that basically covers it for me. Um, oh yeah. I did. I mentioned it a little bit, but this was like, it's such a weird format back then. The USSR won the silver medal in 1980. But nowadays, which makes sense, the silver medal goes to the gold medal match losing team. You know, you lose the gold medal match, you yeah. get the silver, and then there's a third place game in the Olympics. The, back then, it was called the gold or the medal round. This was not the the championship match. The U.S. people often forget the U.S. went go on to win one more game against like Czechoslovakia or no, I, I don't even know what Sweden or something, Canada. No, it wasn't Canada. But anyway, they go on to win the gold medal match just. And and every the Herbrooks team goes on to win. No one remembers that game because it was a lesser team than USSR. It wasn't a dynasty. But then somehow the the Soviets they play another game for the silver medal, and they won that game, so they get the silver that year. It's just a weird format, and it's annoying and it's confusing. Um, whatever. I just had to get that out there. <laughs> ben, I want you to start off with your rankings because I feel like you're just fired up right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm fired up, but like, this was a, I like the doc. I mean, none of this is to say the doc was bad. The doc was great because it gave us all this super interesting, fascinating stuff. So yeah, I'll give my ranking. Um, uh, my ranking is 9.0 corrupt journalists <laughs> or, or on the take journalists or propaganda writers, whatever you want to call them. Um, not, I mean, because I really liked it. Yeah, it's, it's my my top five, I think, 9.0. Um, this was, yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. I When it was over, I was like, yeah, this is great. I learned so much. I mean, I we talk about learning a lot. Like, I learned as much as I've learned any of these um, about the history of the sport, about the history, obviously, of the Russian sport. And so, yeah, it was great. I, I still got to watch Miracle now. I, I've been meaning to watch it for a while. And, I was going to watch it like right after I watched this yesterday, but I might watch it you know, the next week here. I probably will. So, uh, Nick? Um, I'm going to give it uh, 7.9 V-fibs uh, at one point during the training when they were talking about the training. Um, they said that they, they would get their heartbeat up to 250 beats per minute. So I think the only way you can get there is if you're in ventricular, uh, arrhythmia and, and uh, uh, fibrillation. So, um, yeah, that was concerning. I had to laugh at some of their, their, um, like training techniques that they talked about. It's like, they were so stupid and that's like, what a lot of results. <laughs> right. Like, like, oh yeah, we just threw a bunch of rocks into the lake and then, and then your next task, you have to throw the rocks back out of the lake. It's like, that's just really stupid and, <laughs> and like no purpose to it. But 
Wow. I feel like you hear about that with some of the Russian tactics. And they even had video of them doing somersaults on the ice with skates. What purpose does that serve? Right. right. That's just <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Hey, but in their defense, there was also like no science back then. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. do everything you possibly can. They were creating every drill and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think, oh, excuse me, I think that was all I really had. I liked the one point that the first coach, you know, the love coach said, where he's like, you know, we have, one, or like if you have one Bobby Hull playing one Russian you know, there's a good chance that we get beat, but the more that you, more Bobby Hulls uh, that you play with each other, then it's a better chance for five Russians playing. So I thought that was kind of an interesting um, point that he made and how he made that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I like that part too. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you guys overall. I had uh, eight, 8.32 no films. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I just thought it was uh, interesting how uh, the Soviet Union kind of built their hockey from scratch, like without any idea how anyone else in the world played it. And that's why they got better than everybody else. Um, that was a fascinating part. Uh, I don't really have much else to say. We we covered it all, but it, it taught us a whole lot about a super important event in sports history. Um like really a whole other side that I had no idea about other than I knew that the Soviets had a really good team in 1980. But other than that, I knew nothing. Um, so this is an awesome backstory. I thought it was told in a great way. They covered a, a lot of material and it was a long documentary, but they covered it in a way that made sense and that I, I really liked. And um, there was no part of it where I was like, I didn't need to see that part. I thought everything that they included was valuable, which is something that a lot of times we could critique. It's like, oh, this hour and 30 minute one, it could have been an hour 15. If they took this part out, that was kind of unnecessary. Um, and I don't really think there was that part in this um, doc, you know, covering the history of it, the two coaches, even touching on, you know, the NHL and how that all works towards the end. Um, so just really well done. Um, this, this director clearly is just an awesome at what he does. Like Jonathan Hawk. At it again. I mean, yeah, he, this one will be high. This will be in the eights. Like, it'll be. Yeah, this will be top three, 15, probably. Yeah, so that's three within the top 21. And that's awesome. You know, it, definitely the best director that we've seen consistently. Yeah, of his body of work. I, uh, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. The structure, like, oftentimes, yeah, that's one of the first things we talk about is the structure and anything like that and and i barely even thought about it during the thing because it, it would just make so much sense it flowed so well and, and you could get in trouble with that easily i think in this one because we all know what's going to happen we all know they're going to lose the game um right. but they still did it well so yeah very good and it's interesting that you bring up you both brought up the style of play and and you know how this is kind of presenting how they played a really like interesting to watch almost beautiful style of play versus like Canada that was just knocking people over and you know in Miracle the movie you know we were supposed to not like them and and you know the, the Russians the evil Russians or whatever and so I, I guess does this change your opinion of this team that that was the enemy 
the antagonist in Miracle the movie, like when next time you watch that, will it have changed your perception of that? Definitely. And I don't know if we talked a lot about when they, the series that they played against the Canadian professionals. Did, did we touch on that much? Not really. No. So, uh, they had like a six, was it a seven game series against the uh, Canadian pros. And um, during that. Games, series, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it went six games, but uh, they, yeah, I think you're right. They ended up playing the Canadian professional team. And at the time they were all amateurs, but they were uh, very equal, right? These are the best players in the world. And they, the Canadians who are supposed to be the nicest people ever Canadians, right? Yeah, like basically just like kicking the the shit out of the breaking people's ankles with the slash. Yeah, yeah. There's some really dirty stuff in there, and I was very impressed at how like reserved and like unwilling to go to the dirty side the Soviet team was. They were just there was a lot of quotes from the players like we were there to show them with our hockey, not our like violence. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that and you know just how like the behind the scenes stuff that you didn't really get to see that that they were like they seem like really good guys who just might have been in like kind of a tough spot from their country and the people above them so yeah it changes my perspective what about you Rudy yeah I mean by the end of this I felt like I I found myself cheering for the Soviets right like like not necessarily like in 1980 but I was like oh like man for these guys, I'm like, well, I hope they won in like, you know, 84, 88. <laughs> and so it just like seems so bizarre to, I don't know, see that, see them as people and then, and then feel that way just through a doc. Totally. And that's like the, like the power of like a narrative, right? If you can root for anybody, you know, as long as you follow them around. I mean, like now we see all these fictional shows that are the anti heroes and whatever you can. So, I mean, it's kind of a thing to be expected when we watch this. We see their side of the story and we feel a different way. I I still feel like it's easy to root against the Russians because of all the grievances I've aired <laughs> during this podcast, you know. Um, it, you know, so I'm not going to, like, go into Miracle and have Miracle be ruined for me. Like, I'll still be like, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was great to see the the different side of it there's two sides to everything so um okay what what's our final rating uh yeah i was just gonna say that's the awesome part about documentaries right like that's why we wanted to do this podcast in the first place is to like inform ourselves on a deeper level about all these things that we've that we thought we knew right exactly um, yeah uh this ranks number nine out of top ten 64 now um yeah it's number nine it's 8.41 it's uh just below the price of gold so uh another olympics one and uh Tanya Harding. yep and just above june 17th 1994 and four days in october which was tied for uh 10th so Dang. yeah very highly rated so we have yeah that director now has number three number nine and number 21 on our list which is incredible if you think about it that is and he, we have, you know in uh season three we have two more from him so we'll just get a couple more we've had some good ones lately like we had a did we had like a top five like three episodes ago so 
we're getting spoiled here. I mean, every once in a while we go on a streak like this and then we go to a dry spell of some duds. <laughs> we're so. absolutely crushing it. Our last four episodes, 8.45, which is Brothers in Exile, which was a lot better than I thought it was going to be initially. Mm. I think all of us were like, wow, this one kind of blew us away. Rand University, which had high expectations coming in because we all like love Randy Moss. And then that that had an 8.14, which is super high. The U part two, which we were like probably coming in with a like bias trying not to be like too into this documentary. Too excited, yeah. Yeah, and it's still got 7.1. And then this one has 8.41. So we haven't had one worse than 7.1 in the last uh, four. And three of them have been over eight, which is pretty crazy. Those are the numbers for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's quickly go to Mount Rushmore before Nick falls asleep. <laughs> Close. Sorry. We're, <laughs> uh, we're going Sam, Nick, Ren as the order. And we're doing Sam, take it away. I'm blanking on what we're doing. What yeah, we, I uh, I to. We're going to do uh, like Super Bowl foods or like uh Oh, game yeah. foods things you either if you're having like a party or you're you're going to someone's house or maybe like you go to a, a bar to watch a game like what are your foods that you're definitely ordering for a game we're just in the nfl uh playoff phase right now so we figured it was pretty fitting yeah uh, i have the first pick i think i'll just i think i'm just gonna go with uh i'll go with wings yeah to me that's the obvious choice yeah. I mean, boneless, bone in. I don't really care. I just, I really like wings. Bone in. Bone in's better. Bone in is the way to go. Yeah. I would, I would probably, but better if you're committed to the uh, non convenience of it. Yeah. Right. Right. If yeah. You're looking this, but at the same time, if you just have a fork and you just want to eat boneless, like I'm not one who's going to judge. I'm not like Ren. So yeah, I'll just let. Yeah. You're a better man than me. <laughs> all right um i'll go with the uh everlasting staple that is pizza what kind like place or kind of pizza uh like toppings toppings what's your go-to i'm gonna get sausage pep is my go-to nice classic you guys uh i like my go-to is probably like sausage and onion and mushroom. I would say I, I like onion. Pizza. Interesting. Yeah, I love onion on pizza. Just in general, I really like onion. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't mind it. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll eat any pizza really. I, I, I love all pizza. Um, yeah. Okay, what's your take on pineapple on pizza? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't really like it. It tastes fine, but I'm. I'm not like Seeking. one of those like super polarized people about it i never order it that matters that's the least passionate ren's been on this podcast all night (laughs) (laughs) indifference at last (laughs) it's not that polarizing of a subject to me i'm like what ren check your temperature right now wait what do you guys think about pineapple (laughs) no i i i like don't love it it i just when I think of pizza, I want it to be savory, and I just don't really love the sweetness of pineapple. I, I would eat it if it's if someone's like, "Hey, I ordered this pizza, eat it." I'd be like, "Okay," but I'm never gonna order it myself. It's, yeah. yeah, I think I feel like we used to get it as a kid, and like I ate it and it was fine. Um, 
but I also feel like it, it's like kind of weird um like having lived in Hawaii like people wouldn't put it on pizza in there and it's just kind of weird so okay. that's another strike against it but it's not like everybody puts it's like a meme now to like have an opinion on that so anyway uh, I really have no idea what I'm supposed to pick. I have my pick, but I, I don't know what my second one's going to be. My my top pick is going to be nachos slash, you know, dip or whatever, like seven-layer dip or whatever. Same thing. Um, I think feel like that's the obvious third choice among uh, in this category. But I, I don't really know what else to pick. I, I don't – I guess I'll do, like, burgers. I don't know if it's that – um, like it's not really an epitome of a Super Bowl food, but I feel like it is still one. So Big game food, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that works. That works. Right. I'm gonna say guacamole. Mmm, yo guac. That's good. Um, I am gonna go kind of specific here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Doritos. Hmm. And I say that for a couple reasons. One, like if I was going, like if Ren was like, come over to watch a game I would, and I was grabbing a bag of chips, I'd probably grab Doritos. So it's like a pretty safe bet. And then also they have some of the best Super Bowl commercials every year. So <laughs> like, yeah, that, that is also a reason that I would uh, take that as well. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and I'm going to say beer. <laughs> That's going to be my cheat. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, wings, beer, sports. It's I didn't really think about that. It, it, like any, if I ever go to a bar to watch a game, I'm I'm getting a, a few beers and some wings. And yeah, so beer. I'm going to go, I'll go fries, just French fries. I'm going to say, uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. Wow, this is our worst Mount Rushmore ever. <laughs> Oh, like pulled like pulled pork barbecue type. Oh shoot, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. That's solid. Oh, oh, got it. Uh, popcorn. Popcorn, huh? No, this isn't movies, man. This is. <laughs> no, it's it, the game. I feel like this counts. No, it does. I was just kidding. I definitely get popcorn at games sometimes. Yeah. Um. Well, you know me. I need something sweet, so I'm gonna go with uh. Like some of those, like like either brownies or like brownie bites, um, like those small little things that are just like crack that you can just eat like twenty of them and feel kind of bad, but not as bad as you should. <laughs> nice. That's I'm a- hungry. It often happens after this Mount Rushmore where my mouth starts watering. <laughs> Ren kind of took dip. Like, am I still allowed to take like buffalo chicken dip? Is that allowed? Yeah, that's allowed. Okay, because that's definitely uh, like if I was having like if you guys were coming over for the games this weekend, I would definitely probably have a crock pot full of buffalo chicken dip because it's good. It's super easy. You can one of the benefits of it if you're hosting, you can just have it in there like all day and it stays good. So just warming. Yep. Yeah, it's a good move. Okay, so our the worst Mount Rushmore we ever did. (laughs) The summary of it is. The Mount Rushmore Super Bowl snacks. Uh, I had wings, Doritos, beer, and buffalo chicken dip. See, that's beer. a good meal there. Heck yeah. It's a lot of buffalo, but. <laughs> a lot of buffalo. 
Rudy went with pizza, guac, fries, and brownies, which honestly is like, this is a steak. Anytime there's pizza, it's a great meal. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Ren went with nachos or dip, uh, burgers, pulled pork, and popcorn. And uh, next week, we will be doing Mount Rushmore of Super Bowl games if anyone wants to tune in for that. We might be delayed next week because I'm going to be on drugs. Yeah. After surgery, oh, yeah. Super Bowl week, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it. So we'll be watching every Super Bowl uh, since 1993, <laughs> 1992, and we'll be watching them all in order to decide our favorite games. So tune in. You know what? That would actually be really fun, and I probably could do that with uh, all the time off work I'll be having. I don't know <laughs> how, where I would find them. I don't. Yeah. Uh, like NFL yeah. Plus or something like that. If you get that subscription, that would be the best bet, right? Yeah, like and yeah, because they probably have NFL films on there. Yeah, sure. That'd be awesome, Ren. You should do it. That was no, like the pandemic when mm-hmm. like Bill Simmons was just watching random old like Michael Jordan <laughs> games, talking about them, not like rewatchables, because there was no live sports on. They're like, might as well watch old stuff. That was such a crazy time. I was watching old golf tournaments on Golf Channel. They had like, you know, like the 2005 Masters, and like I was just like, you know, I was loving it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Great time. Like we literally did about Rushmore of um, what we miss about live sports. How sad is that? <laughs> I know. Um, okay, uh, running out of time here, but I- I'll do a Doc wish list real quick. It's not super well thought out, but it's it's a I think it's a home run. Um, Dame Lillard, call it Dame time. The title's right there. Uh, the poster is a is a watch, you know, with him in the front doing the Dame time thing. Like last night, he the reason I think of it is because last night, as of this recording, he hit another sixty point game, which he has like a handful of those, and he's like third all time sixty point games. He's like fifth all time in fifty point games. Like he goes off insanely in in games a lot. He also is one of the most so efficient. Yeah, yeah. Look at his numbers. He was twenty one for twenty nine from the field, nine mm-hmm. for nine for fifteen from three. <laughs> oh my gosh, crazy! Um, so yeah, I mean those storylines write themselves. You could get a whole bunch of sports writers to talk about game time and how clutch he is. I mean he's insanely clutch. There's so many stories they can tell. Um, the stats are crazy. The the failure to win uh, deep into the playoffs is another aspect. The, the the him not moving to different teams, at least so far in his career, he's getting up there, is a big part of his career arc. And then we got to throw in, you know, he can provide the soundtrack. Like he he has some bars too when he drops his rap music. So. Uh, he's an interesting guy. He's also really likable, I think. To me, he is. Um, and so, yeah, it, it has it all for a good documentary. I'm sure there will be one. I'm 100% sure there will be one. Um, so, yeah, that's my and idea. He's got the, the humble beginnings of Weber State. And yeah, uh, he has some of like the best buzzer beaters as far as his reactions. Like, I always think of the one he hits like a game winning three and then he just like shows no emotion as like his team picks him up and stuff. And he literally is just like staring off into the distance. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many like third graders mimicked that after they hit like a two foot layup to win? They just stayed <laughs> off at their parents. 
gosh. Yeah, it's best. Oh, another little cool uh, storyline would be his his like bromance with CJ McCollum. Like they're like the closest friends and um, you know teammates for most of their careers. Now he's gone, but yeah, like that's another cool thing. And yeah, there's just so much interesting stuff there. So definitely, I would watch that. Hey, I will close us out with the next week's doc or two weeks from now we'll probably do it um, rudy's gonna love this one it's uh episode 72 it's called i hate christian leitner a look uh-huh. in at the life and basketball career okay. of christian leitner and the intense dislike some fans still harbor for the former duke university and nba star rightfully so <laughs> i um there's no 30 for 30, I remember seeing ads and trailers for more than this. It was all over SportsCenter. There was promos for it nonstop. And it was everywhere. And this was, I guess it came out in 2005. But I feel like it was so much more recently. Um, that's crazy that it was that long ago. Yeah, 2015. Oh, that's what, I, that's what I meant. But still, like 2015, like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and you can tell because uh, they have numbers on it, and it's definitely one of the highest viewed ones um, by far. It's like up there with you know, you don't know Bo and broke about the athletes going broke. Uh, so it's definitely advertised like crazy. Yeah. Another really crazy thing: that. we are two, three episodes away from finishing volume two, guys. Oh. We're like getting really far into this. Yeah. The problem is they keep making them. So. <laughs> They don't make we, often now. We, no, we, we, we watch them at a faster pace by far. So definitely yeah, we'll get there. Awesome. All right. Another good one, guys. Uh I yeah, we I guess we all really like the doc, and that's really what it's about. So it's fun to watch this one. We'll uh be back soon after I after I they cut open my back and we'll be back after that. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, go Chiefs, baby. Lend me this thing. E A G O N I E S. <laughs> <laughs>